Today we're continuing with our sermon series entitled, What's Next?, in which I want us to look at what I believe God is calling us as a church to be doing as our next steps in following Him, about the ministries, some of which we've already begun, but we'll be expanding, and other ministries that we will be launching as soon as we complete our new church building that have the platform of facilities to be able to move into the future. At the end of this series, on November 22nd, it is our hope that we will be able to have our grand opening celebration and invite the whole community to come and enjoy the completion of our new church building. And if the construction is not sufficiently completed to have the celebration at that time, well, we're not going to panic. We will have a Christmas celebration with our new church. But it is our hope right now that we will still be able to have that celebration on November 22nd. We'll keep you informed. Let me start by saying thank you to all those people who last week when I preached on uh, I was hungry and I asked you to fill out a little leaflet if you were interested or willing to participate in helping with our uh, feeding programs. Uh, We had actually uh, 20% of the people who were here signed up and said they wanted to be involved in that by giving food, by giving money, by helping with work. I am very grateful for that. Uh, That is a great success. Tomorrow, we will be having a meeting of staff in our church and deacons to move forward in that program. So if you're one of the people that filled out that form and you're wondering why we haven't gotten back to you yet, we will be doing that in the coming week and let you know how we're going to move forward. We just need to get a couple things organized first. But thank you very much for that. So today, my sermon is entitled, I Was Thirsty. Again, as last week, we are basing this on the words of Jesus found in Matthew 25 in which Jesus said to us, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came and visit me. For whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. As a church, we have taken these words of Jesus as our instructions for how we should move forward, what we should be doing to serve the poor and the needy in our community. So we take these as our guidelines for the outreach ministries that we will be pursuing here at Lakeside Presbyterian Church. Now here in Matthew 25, when Jesus said, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I think it's clear that he actually is referring to physical thirst, that he did not have water to drink. And I can assure you that as we launch the feeding and outreach ministry efforts here in our community, whenever we find people who are physically thirsty, meaning they do not have access to clean, safe water, then we will take that seriously and we will address that need. But Jesus actually says a lot more about being thirsty than just this passage in Matthew 25. But in most of the instances where he talks about thirst and being thirsty, he is not talking about physical thirst. He is talking about spiritual thirst. When Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well in the fourth chapter of John, he tells her this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. Then in chapter 6 of John, we find Jesus again referring to spiritual thirst. This time, he's teaching crowds of people that have gathered around him near the Sea of Galilee. And these are words that I repeat every week, every first Sunday that we have communion. The words of institution, as we prepare the communion elements, we read these words. Then John declared, uh, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me 
will never be thirsty. That's John 6.35. And again in John chapter 7, we're told that when Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Jewish feast, he stood up in a crowd and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And then in Revelation chapter 21, the next to the last chapter of the Bible, Jesus tells us once more that he will quench every spiritual thirst when he says, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. All these times... Jesus describes the spiritual needs of those who will know him as being a thirst, a spiritual thirst. And he very plainly tells us that he, Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, that he alone can satisfy the spiritual thirst. But there's one more passage that I want us to look at. It's the one that's on the screen in which Jesus invites people who are spiritually thirsty to come to him and have their thirst quenched. That's Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter in the Bible, and this is very near the end of that chapter and so near the end of the Bible. And this passage, I believe, should have special meaning for us, the church. So I want us to spend a little time looking at it this morning. It's Revelation 22, verses 16 and 17. If you'd like to follow along in the red Bibles and the chair racks, it begins on page 1,893, Revelation 22, 16 and 17. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the ones who hear say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. As we've seen in the other verses I mentioned, Jesus often speaks of himself as the living water that will satisfy spiritual thirst. To the Samaritan woman at the well, to the crowds who gathered around him near the Sea of Galilee, to the Jews assembled in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles, and when he announces the completion of God's redemptive plan in Revelation 21. But these verses here in Revelation 22 are slightly different in a very interesting way. After Jesus announces that he is the offspring of David, as you read, let's put that back up. Um, Okay, after he mentions that he is the heir to King David, which means he is the messianic fulfillment. He is the one the Jews have been looking for. After saying that, Jesus stops speaking. And John, the apostle whom the Holy Spirit has inspired to write the revelation, he speaks and says... The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Every other time in the New Testament where Jesus is identified as the one who will satisfy our spiritual thirst, it is Jesus himself who invites us to come and experience him to drink the living water. But in this passage, in Revelation 22, in the 17th verse, John tells us the invitation to come to Jesus is extended by the Spirit and the Bride. Now, the the reference to the Spirit is obvious. Only the voice of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of people can effectively convict them of their sins, convince them of their need for a Savior, and draw them to Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit who says, Come, 
to the sinner. Come to Jesus and be healed. Come to Jesus and drink of the water of life. Come to Jesus and have your deepest thirst quenched. No one can be saved unless they first are convicted and called by the Holy Spirit. We are fortunate that that call is broadcast widely. But it's critically important to us that it is not only the Holy Spirit who is to bid people to come to Jesus. Or perhaps it would be more accurate to say the Holy Spirit chooses not to work alone. For here in Revelation 22:17, we are told that it is the Spirit and the Bride who say, Come. And who is the Bride? The Bride, my brothers and sisters, is you. All of you. And it is me, and it's all the followers of Jesus who have lived and believed in him over the past 2,000 years. The bride of Christ is the church. Jesus, the Messiah, is identified as the bridegroom, not only in Revelation, but in many other places, in both the Old and the New Testament, who refer to the Son who is to come, the Messiah, as being the bridegroom. And we are told that we, the church, the body of Christ on earth, are identified as his bride, that we are being prepared for a great wedding feast at the end of time and for union with him throughout all eternity. We are the bride that is referred to here in Revelation 22. And as the Spirit empowers us, we are the ones who are to say, Come to those who are in need of the living water which Jesus will give to all who respond. And when those who hear the call respond and come to Jesus, then they too, as part of the bride of Christ, they too then join in calling people to come. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I believe this passage, as well as many others in the New Testament, make it clear to us that we have a responsibility to call other people to Jesus. As the Spirit leads us and empowers us, we, the Bride of Christ, the Church, the followers of Jesus, are to call the spiritually thirsty to come to Him, to come to Jesus and drink of the living water that only He can provide, and to have their thirst quenched. And here at Lakeside Presbyterian Church, we will be obedient to Jesus' command that we provide drink to those who are thirsty, both those who are physically thirsty when that is needed, and especially to those who are spiritually thirsty for the living water of Jesus. But there's a problem, and I'm sure you probably know what it is. Many people don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't know that they need Jesus. They have not yet realized exactly how spiritually thirsty they are. Now, I believe that everyone, all people, everywhere, at all times know in their deepest heart of hearts that they are not complete and that they need something which they don't on their own have. In fact, anthropologists have acknowledged that we have never yet found any human culture, ancient or modern, that has not had some kind of religious belief. But it's interesting that anthropologists also will admit that we've never found any culture anywhere at any time that also did not have some kind of belief that there was something wrong with us. That human beings have something missing that we are still looking for. Everyone feels it. Everyone who has ever lived has felt the emptiness, the need, 
the itch. Although most people cannot exactly put their finger on what it is that they know they're lacking. It's sort of like late at night when you feel that you're hungry or you're thirsty for something, but you can't quite figure out what it is you want. It is what Pascal meant when he said there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. Before we came to Jesus, we all felt that emptiness. Everyone does. Everyone throughout all history has felt that emptiness. But because people cannot identify that so often as a need for God, people try to fill that vacuum with anything else. They try to fill it with other relationships, or they try to fill it with other religions, or especially here in the West, we try to fill it with money or material possessions. If I just get that bigger house, then I'll be happy. If I can just have that new boyfriend or girlfriend, I'll be satisfied. If I can just get that new sports car, everything will be all right with me. And it never is, because that's not really what we want. The vacuum that we are trying to fill, the vacuum that we all feel, is the need for God. None of those other things, none of those other longings that we try to satisfy, the spiritual thirst, none of that will make us happy. But all people feel it. The only thing that will satisfy that emptiness, that will fill that vacuum, is a relationship with God. That's what we were made for. Human beings were made for a relationship with God. But that relationship was broken by our own sinfulness. And Jesus Christ came to make it possible for a broken humanity to again reclaim our intended relationship with God the Father. He is the bridge, fully God and fully human, that allows us to once again come, once again come to God the Father. And we, the church, have a large part of the responsibility for helping people see that Jesus is the answer to their needs. He is the living water that will satisfy their thirst, that will fill the vacuum that they feel in their heart. But telling people about Jesus isn't easy in our culture. Too many people have the wrong idea about Jesus. And especially, a lot of people have the wrong idea about what Christianity is, who Christians are, and what the church is. And so, because they have the wrong idea, they're reluctant to get close enough to us to let us say, come to the living water. Perhaps it's because for many of them, they've had a very bad experience with the church or with Christians. Surprisingly, that happens. It happens because too many Christians are either too in-your-face pushy and therefore unpleasant to be around, or some Christians are holier than thou and so are not welcoming. Or some Christians are so superficial and shallow that people look at them and they have a sense that this is false and that's not something I would want. Unfortunately, these are experiences that many people have had with Christians and with the church. And so they are unwilling to listen when we now try to tell them about Jesus. So just how can we be more effective in calling the people who need Jesus, who are spiritually thirsty and need to drink of him, how can we be more effective in calling them to come to him? How will we let them see that true Christianity is not like what they may have experienced in the past? That the true followers of Jesus are not like the holier-than-thou or the judgmental or the unpleasant or the false? How can we let them know that Jesus is really what they are looking for, whether they realize it or not? 
Well, we do it by having our church be the most welcoming and enjoyable and interesting place they have ever visited. We do it by having our church, including especially our beautiful new church building that's, that God has miraculously, through working through all of you, has made possible. We do it by making this place a place where once they have visited, they cannot wait to come back. They cannot wait to come back here and see what's next, to meet more Christians like you, the people who see this church as their second home. We want you to feel like this is your home and invite other people into your home. And we will start by making this place active and fun and exciting for all newcomers. Not just on Sunday morning, but on Tuesday morning and Tuesday night and Thursday afternoon and Saturday evening and almost all times in between. Now that we are close to completing this wonderful new facility, which God has blessed us with this miracle again through all of you and your generosity as well, we are going to make this the place in our community that people want to come to. Where people are friendly and welcoming, where the activities are fun and exciting, where the chairs are comfortable and the coffee is good, where people cannot wait until the next movie or the next game night or the next lecture or the next display. We are going to do this in a number of ways. And we're not going to do it all at once. This will unfold over time. We are, for instance, going to launch a cafe in our narthex. At first, it will be open only for special events, but we hope eventually to open at regular hours daily so people from the whole community can come here and get a good cup of coffee and a cookie or a muffin, sit down, read, relax, have a good conversation, and make this an extension of their own living room. We're already moving forward with a plan to have an art gallery in our narthex. We have these beautiful walls in the narthex and hallways. We intend to have a revolving art show on our walls and have grand openings when we have a new showing and invite the community to come. We already have a small group of experienced people who have agreed to be the jury. In other words, they are the people who will review the submissions and decide what we put up and when we put up new shows. They will be the curators of our new gallery. We are going to look for every opportunity, in addition, on which we may have fiestas and celebrations and parties here, along the line of our Independence Day party, which has become a regular event here at our church. How many of you all came to the Independence Day party? Was that fun? Oh, now that's, that's sad that I got four people raise their hands. The rest of you missed it. Those of you who are here, was it not a great time? Yes, it was. Wonderful time. Music and dancing and costumes. You know, Victoria was beautiful in her traditional Mexican costume, and Guillermo looks a little silly, but it was still fun. <laughs> and we celebrated together. We are going to be planning other kind of events every appropriate holiday. We are going to plan other kinds of social activities for adults and for children, game nights, sewing circles, knitting clubs, whatever people are interested in and will be drawn to. I'm thinking of starting a dog club because we have a couple of new dogs coming. And we are working right now to try to try to have both Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous meetings here at our church so that those who suffer from addictions can come here not only for help, but to be welcomed as a place that they know they are safe and secure and that we are pleased they're here. We already have a monthly movie night, but we are talking of having a regular movie night, not just once a month, but maybe once a week promoting it vigorously to the community. In fact, I'm hoping we can get an electric screen that's larger that will be here in the center 
and we'll be able to lower it and show movies. Um, Carolyn and I have been having great fun. We've been going through the 100 best movies of all time as named by the American Film Institute on Sunday afternoons. We'll watch the next one in that series, and it's great stuff. Well, something along that line for a regular kind of event here. And when we have that new central screen, how many football fans we have? Monday night football on the big screen at Lakeside Presbyterian Church. Okay, we'll leave the beer at home, but we'll have football. Or World Cup soccer, or whatever else. There will be... Exactly. There will be more lectures and more educational opportunities. We get a good turnout to the eight-week lecture series I've been doing, and that will start again in January. We are planning to have musical concerts. We have a baby grand piano and a great sound system, and we are going to utilize those to attract people to come to concerts, to come to musical events. We may have an open mic night where people can come and share their musical talents. And we will also have overt, that means direct and express evangelistic programs. If you're familiar with the Alpha Course, it is a program developed in England which is geared toward people who aren't church people yet. The, the, we don't, it doesn't use Christian language, but it talks about the needs that everyone feels and how it is that Jesus is the, the thing that answers those needs, that quenches the thirst that we have. We, will, we are planning after the first year to have an Alpha Course and we will have other efforts to try to communicate very directly as well as indirectly to people that Jesus is what they're really looking for and that His love, His living water applies very practically to the needs in their lives. We will be mounting more specific efforts to invite people to come to our church services on Sunday morning and at other times and all of you all will be a part of that. We as a church will be providing you with materials that you can share with your friends and neighbors. Both invitations to special events and also invitations to come to our church, especially on Second Sunday. Come and share a time of worship and a wonderful meal together. And we will be giving you practical ways that you can do that. And most especially, we need to continue to do the things that you all already are doing. And that is welcoming people. Making everyone who comes here feel appreciated. I hear that more about our church than anything else. That if you're going to walk in the door of that church, you better expect to get hugged a bunch. And welcomed. And I trust that you all do feel welcome here because our people are very good at that. We want to make everyone feel welcome and at home. We want to make this wonderful, miraculous church a place that people want to come back to, that they want to spend more time in. And in the process... They will see Jesus. Our plan, and it really is quite simple, is that by whatever means possible, we want to get people to come and visit us here, to feel welcome and comfortable and to enjoy themselves. And from that point, we will attract people to the spiritual side of our life together. And in that way, we will call them to come to Jesus in the most loving way possible. But getting them here and having them enjoy themselves and feel welcome is the first step in that. So I ask you to please be praying for these efforts. For wisdom and energy as we plan, we cannot do everything at once. We have to prioritize. But I've given you just a sampling of what we want to do. If, and it will be a lot of work. I imagine the people who, you know, Lita and the people who work with our community life and events are probably about ready to pass out by me talking about all this. But we need a lot of other people participating in this. 
People who are willing, like the people who signed up last week to help with feeding, we need people that will help launch and sponsor and support and work for all of these things. And there may be other ideas that you have, something you want to start here that would be a community event. If so, please let me know if you'd like to, if anything I mentioned really struck a chord with you and you want to participate in that, or if you have other ideas, talk to me about it. Or talk to Guillermo and Victoria about it. Because this is going to be for both of our congregations. I absolutely believe that together we as Lakeside Presbyterian Church, which is all of you, can call many more people to Jesus. Because, very simply, that's what he told us to do. And we will move forward with that. And people who are thirsty will find the living water that alone can quench the thirst they feel. Amen.